You're listening to LSU Daily with Matt Moscona. You're home for all the latest Tiger news. Part of the Guaranteed Podcast Network. Okay, let's get it. It is LSU Daily, part of the Guaranteed Podcast Network, powered by Personas. I'm Matt Moscona. Glad to have you aboard with us here. It is National Signing Day. A lot to get into there. And the Tiger basketball team inexplicably continues their struggles. It is now officially time to panic. Uh, We'll talk about that game last night against Ole Miss and what's ahead for the Tigers here in just a few. Uh, We do catch up with uh, Jalen Davis Robinson. Um, You'll hear that interview. Had a chance to visit with Jalen on the eve of National Signing Day. His was the first commitment to come in for LSU uh, today, on signing day, made the announcement at 9.30 at his school, a three-star cornerback, and you'll hear more from him in just a second. Uh, also, just as a heads up, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, Trevante Citizen, the running back out of Lake Charles, he's set to commit at 11 a.m. on ESPN. Uh, ty- uh, Danny Lewis, tight end out of Westgate, uh, he'll pledge at 1 o'clock today. Uh, Harold Perkins was set for 1.15. He's moved back to 3.30 Central Time today. He'll also be televised. Uh, which means Caleb Douglas, the wide receiver, will pledge at 1.30, followed by Harold Perkins at 3.30. And then tonight, Jacoby Matthews, the safety out of Ponchatoula at 6 p.m. Um, a couple of thoughts, because I do want to share some things that I haven't shared on, on air yet publicly uh, that I'll share here regarding NIL and how it's sort of functioned within this class. Uh, so we'll delve into that. But the first, I, I would just like to say, Look, LSU is in on six players today. You never get all of them. It, it it just it never goes that way on signing day. You're talking about the whims of high school students, and things change uh, quickly sometimes. So I don't think LSU is going to get commitments from all six of the players I just mentioned. Uh, if you get half or four, that would be great. Who you get, though, is going to be very interesting. And the two biggest names are obviously Harold Perkins, the five-star linebacker, and Jacoby Matthews, the five-star safety. Uh, What I'll share with you is some of what I've been able to learn over the last 24 hours about how Texas A&M has structured their NIL opportunities and how Florida has gotten into the mix here of late as well. Um. Jacoby Matthews wants to go to LSU. He's a kid from Ponchatoula who wants to be an LSU Tiger. Uh, he also comes from a family that doesn't have uh, a lot of means, and he does have a lot of family pressure to go where he's going to get the best NIL opportunity. Some of you may roll your eyes and his parents say that that's terrible and the kid should go where he wants. I would caution you to say, until you walk a mile in another man's shoes... Keep your commentary to yourself. Uh, you don't know what it's like to to go if you don't know what it's like to go through great financial hardships, and then you have an opportunity to better your family's life. It's hard to step away from that. It's hard for me or you or anyone to judge that circumstance. So I'm not going to. I'm just going to put that out there to say that's the reality. Is that nil opportunities are a major part of what's on the table for Jacoby Matthews. Here's what I will share. Um. Jacoby Matthews has an offer from Texas A&M that essentially amounts to a $100,000 per year NIL opportunity over four years. So it's four hundred dollars but there's a little bit of a caveat, okay? 
The way that Texas A&M has structured this is that it's not necessarily 100K cash. It's also uh, rental car allowance and different um, benefits worked into the package. And so the cash value is estimated to be somewhere around 80 per year. And it's paid out per semester 60 days into the semester. So, for example, if Jacoby Matthews picks Texas A&M, he wouldn't get his first cash payment until 60 days into his first semester at Texas A&M. And, obviously, if you leave or transfer, you don't realize the rest of that value. I will tell you point blank, that's why Harold Perkins decommitted. My understanding is that Perkins' deal was actually 125 a year over four years for a total of half a million dollars. But when you look at the way it's structured, the cash component of that is much less, and you have to stay four years to get it. If Perkins wanted to get a $500,000 lump sum right up front and transfer next year, well, this the way A&M has structured this, or I should, I should hesitate not to say A&M. I should say boosters, the supporters, their collective that is organizing these offers for these players. Um, the way they're doing it is building in certain protections for them and for the school, which makes sense on both sides. I mean, you were talking about what amounts to very real contract negotiations here and how deals are structured, which we see oftentimes in um, you know, it, with signing bonuses of drafted players. We see this oftentimes in, in the baseball draft, where you know a team has a pool of money and they have to allocate it for their slot values, and you're seeing something very similar here. So the, the real challenge for, say, Jacoby Matthews is understanding, and my understanding is that LSU, there was a significant gap between LSU's NIL offer for Jacoby and what A&M offered. I've been told that LSU was able to increase the offer for Jacoby while it was explained to the Matthews family how the the deal at A&M works would actually shrunk that gap between the two. And then also consider if you're the Matthews family, and you want to go see your son play, you're going to be spending gas money and hotel and food and all the travel expenses that you're going to incur going to College Station, which amounts to thousands of dollars over the course of a year. So it shrinks that gap even further. All that to say, I think unless if Texas A&M manages to drastically alter what they're offering, that Jacoby Matthews is going to end up at LSU. We'll find that out tonight at 6, but again, I want to stress, I don't believe any of this is done until uh, uh, the the player has signed his, his national letter of intent and has faxed it in. Harold Perkins is in a similar situation where he decommitted from Texas A&M for the reasons I just explained. The NIL offer, while it was a, a big number, when you read the fine print, it's not quite what, what it seemed. And I think his family would like for him to end up at LSU. They view this at home. He was born in New Orleans, and they evacuated post-Katrina to Houston and stayed. And this is seen very much as a homecoming. I will tell you there is a wild card in the mix, and the wild card is Billy Napier at Florida because it has been expressed to me from people who are helping organize the LSU NIL deals and people who cover the University of Florida that Billy Napier has gone all in with NIL. And I can't tell you that I definitively know what that means. Um, 
what they might be offering, how they're structuring. I, I don't know. I can't tell you that I have any definitive answer to that. But what I am very confident in telling you is that Billy Napier has has gone all in by way of NIL. And I, and I do think that Florida is going to pull a big surprise today. How, who, what, I, I don't know that. But I am expecting that Billy Napier is going to get a surprise today. I, for LSU's sake, I sure hope it's not Harold Perkins. Um, I know Trevante Citizen has Florida among his Final Four as well. I just don't think it's realistic that LSU is going to get all six of the ones I mentioned, and I do think Florida manages a, a surprise today. But for LSU, you get Jalen Davis-Robinson, the cornerback out of Texas, which adds a piece to your secondary. If you can land Matthews and Perkins, man, that would be phenomenal. You need help at tight end. It would be great to get Danny Lewis to stay at home. A kid from Westgate who had been recruited to Cincinnati by Mike Denbrock, who's now at LSU. There's a lot of sort of connective tissue there that makes it make a lot of sense but by the time this day is over I will certainly know I have a clearer picture of what LSU's roster looks like and we'll recap all of it on tomorrow's LSU Daily so um, when we continue as I mentioned had a chance to talk to Jalen Davis Robinson the uh, three-star cornerback out of Texas on National Signing Day Eve you'll hear that conversation here in a moment on LSU Daily part of the Guarantee Podcast Network Jalen Davis Robinson, cornerback out of Texas, is the newest member of the LSU football program, uh, sending his letter of intent on Wednesday morning after committing at 9.30 at his school and had a chance to visit with Jalen Davis Robinson. And it's amazing how we talked about how quickly this came together. I asked him when he first was contacted by LSU. Um, LSU first reached out to me last Monday. Wow. And that's when they came to my high school and offered me on site. So this recruitment with LSU has been a week? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's kind of incredible. When, like, if you would compare that to, like, some other schools, like, who who to this point has recruited you the hardest? Um, I would say Oregon has recruited me the hardest, also the longest. Okay, so how long have you, and Oregon obviously had a coaching change this year, but how long have, have you been talking to Oregon? Um, I've been talking with Oregon for maybe about two months now, maybe, or okay. a little over a month. Okay, okay. So uh, so LSU and Brian Kelly jump in the mix. You did make a visit to Baton Rouge, correct? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the, about that visit. Um, first of all, what were your impressions just overall of LSU? Oh, man, I was overwhelmed. Um, LSU is a great program. I always knew that, and I always knew about the great football team and the culture that it had, but seeing it for myself, it just it's a different experience. From the moment that I landed in Baton Rouge, I knew that this was home to LSU. That's awesome, man. Um, you know, we're all – because, look, the coaching staff has only been in place just for a few months, and some some coaches aren't even here yet. Uh, well, I guess um, Coach House is getting here now after Kansas City lost, but you know we're still learning a lot of these guys. So let me let me ask you about a few guys in particular. So uh, Brian Kelly, what what were your impressions? I'm I'm assuming this was the first time that you met Brian Kelly. Uh, what were your impressions of Coach Kelly? Um, my first impression was him was he's a he's a cool person. He's a down to earth head coach. He doesn't act like he's above everybody, and he's also a coach that you can talk to. And he has a, a great sense of humor. <laughs> Oi, did you see the video with uh with 
Yes, I did. Okay. Yes, all right. I did. And let, all right, let me ask you, because people on Twitter melt and they make fun of you know, Twitter just hates everything all the time. What uh-huh. you're you're a recruit. So what do you think of the head coach at LSU getting on that video with um with Danny Lewis and then also doing the gritty? Um, when you're a recruit and if you were there and seen like the inside, to me, I look at it as just a coach just having fun with his recruits and just having a good time. It's it is allowed, right? It is allowed for head football coaches to have fun from time to time if they yes, want sir. to. <laughs> Um, all right, so you all, so you didn't get to meet Matt House because he was coaching with the Chiefs. Have you gotten to talk to him at all? Um, yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I would guess did you talk to him via phone or Zoom when you were on your visit? Yes, sir. Phone. Oh, mm-hmm. So tell us about that. How did that go? Um, it went great. He was getting ready for um the game, so we just really just got to touch base, get to know each other, and that was really about it. Okay. Now, I would guess you got to spend more time with Coach Cooks and Coach Steeples, who would be coaching you in the secondary. Um, Again, like none of us have ever met those guys yet because they're brand new here. So tell us a little bit about about Coach Cooks and Coach Steeples. Oh, man, from the moment that he saw me, uh, Coach Cooks was the one that came to my high school. From the moment he saw me, he offered me. And getting, uh, getting up to Baton Rouge, it was just like, it was a great experience with him. Um, all the coaches, they welcomed me in. They made me feel like family. They made Baton Rouge feel like home. Um, honestly, going up there, I wasn't ready to leave yet. We, I had fun with the coaches, with the players, um, being around the fans. It was just a whole great experience. Was um, uh, Jalen Davis Robinson is our guest, three-star cornerback. He'll be making his announcement tomorrow on National Signing Day. Um, was When you got the offer from LSU, I mean, what what was your reaction? I mean, were were you thinking that that was coming? Um, it hit me out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, since it was one, it was just late, and two, um, LSU is one of my dream schools. So, not very many people can say that they got a chance to or the opportunity to go play at their dream school. So, when it happened, it, it I was lost for words. <laughs> I hear you, man. Um. Well, you're going to have that opportunity if um, if you want it. Let's talk a little bit about you as a player. Um, we can we're going to roll your huddle highlights here while you talk about it. But uh, your five eleven cornerback, tell us a little bit about your game. Are you an inside? Are you an outside guy? Where do you play? Um, I'm an outside guy. And what would you say are are your strengths and the things that that uh, that, that attracted the coaches to you? I would say my strengths. And playing outside is a person. I like to get up in the receiver's face. Um, I like to get hands-on. I'm a physical type of guy. Did I see correctly when I was looking at, at your profile that like you're a track guy too, yeah? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. You ran a 10-5 in the 100? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, all right. So in your bio, it says you're a nine-time junior Olympian, like, when you run a ten five as a high schooler, where does that put you in the world? Like in the world rankings? Um, I'm actually not sure because the rankings they change every day. Uh, people run new times every day, so I'm not sure about that. But a ten five ranks me uh, pretty high. 
I mean, there aren't too many humans that have ever walked the face of planet Earth that can run a 10-500. I mean, I could drive a 10-500, but I don't think I could <laughs> run a 10-500 ever. Uh, so, like, is did, did you ever get involved, like, in the return game as well? Um, My freshman year of football, I did. But after freshman year, um, my senior year, I did a little bit. But for the most part, um, no. That's amazing. I would be like, man, put the... Put the ball in the hands of the fast guy and let him, let him, <laughs> let him run. Did you talk about that at all with the LSU coaches? Um, I haven't yet. Okay. I'm pretty sure we got to get to that. Well, man, look, I'm. Are you? Did you play any offense in high school? Um, my freshman year I did. Junior year I did it. My senior year I did a little bit. Because we just saw a highlight of you running for a touchdown, like splitting the defense in half. Like, that looked pretty good. I mean, you might, you might have a little opportunity if uh, if all else fails. Um, so, look, there's obviously an opportunity at LSU as well because the numbers are so thin at cornerback. Um, uh-huh. Did you and the coaches talk about uh, about that, about the possibility of early playing time because of LSU's number situation? Um, yes, sir, we did. That was one of the main things that me and my family um, had questions about, um, about the playing time as a freshman, where I get a great opportunity and not just come in and basically just be another player there. Mm-hmm. And, and what did they say? Um, they said, yes, due to the numbers, the depth chart, I would have a great opportunity of playing early. Man. Um, you said you grew up in LSU, Van. So you're from t- where? I, I mean, I, I see the uh, the... Am I saying it right? Is it Waxahachie? Is that where you're from? What? Yes, sir. Waxahachie. <laughs> so where where is that in Texas? I mean, I know Texas is a big state. Um, do you? It's a little bit south of DeSoto and Dallas. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, the LSU's gotten some players out of DeSoto in the past. I think Ed, mm-hmm. I think Ed Ingram was from the, was from DeSoto. Like, have you had anybody from your school or your area come this way? Like, what what caused the connection with you to to have LSU as a dream school? Um, I would say growing up. Watching Odell, watching Jamar Chase, it was just like seeing the way they played, seeing the energy that they brought to the game, that just motivated me to want to play football even more. And also, um, Shakari Richardson, um, I ran summer track with her um, dad's um, summer track team. So with her also coming from LSU and seeing that the uh, the great track program that them guys have, it just made me like LSU even more. So, do you? Uh, by the way, you mentioned two LSU receivers. I noticed you didn't mention any cornerbacks. You see, what, I see what you're getting at there, man. You mentioned some offensive guys that you like with Odell mm-hmm. and with uh, with Jamar. Did uh, are you going to run track in college as well? Um, I'm planning to, yes, sir. Okay, and LSU's cool with that if you if you do both. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I figured you'd uh, you cross that bridge on the visit. We appreciate some time. Wish you good luck, and uh, I know a lot of people here hope to see you in the purple and gold, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for the uh, thank you for having me on here. As we mentioned, uh, we will spend the podcast tomorrow uh, recapping everything that happens here on signing day uh, on this Wednesday. Uh, we have to spend a moment recapping what happened at the Maravich Center on <laughs> on Tuesday night. Uh, I don't know how much more we could have said. Um, th- we could have explained the opportunity at hand for LSU against Ole Miss, and flatly, it was dreadful. Uh, y'all, Ole Miss is not a good basketball team. They're 12-10 and 10 overall. We went through a lot of their 
uh, statistics, basically everything in the two and three hundreds nationally. That is that is not a good basketball team. And then midway through the second half, um, they lose Deshaun Ruffin uh, with a right leg injury with 12 minutes left in the game and played the rest of the way without their best player. Um, LSU got down 24 points in the first half. Almost inexplicable. This was an Ole Miss team that was flatly struggling to score and managed to put up 45 points in the first half. Uh, it, It was as disheartening a performance as we've seen from this LSU team all year. Um, and that was the first bad loss of the year. And it, it, let me add a little definition there. Uh, up until this point, LSU had not had a quad three or four loss. They were 8-0 against quads three and four. Um, as far as a resume, the worst loss on your resume was TCU. And that's a road game against quad two team and no real crime in losing that game on the road. There's no crime in losing at Auburn. They're the number one team in the country. Uh, There's no crime in losing at Bama or at Tennessee, especially when you were shorthanded. It's why it reflected in LSU's net as they remained hovering around the top 10, and they're still today 15. LSU has put together a very nice resume with a win at Florida, a win against Tennessee, a a win against Kentucky, uh, some nice wins away from home in the pre-conference, Georgia Tech, Penn State, um, there are, and there are resume builders still remaining. But for the first time all year, there is legitimate cause for concern. We knew what this LSU team was offensively. They were a team that was not ever going to be very good in the half court. And when Xavier Pinson went down, it, it completely exposed their ineffectiveness in the half court. What's also happened is you've had to rely on guys like Eric Gaines to, and Brandon Murray to play more minutes than you had anticipated. And I think as a result, you have a team that has become more fatigued later in games and they're unable to keep up the defensive intensity. The good news is that Xavier Pinson played, he started and played 16 minutes against Ole Miss, but certainly didn't look right and looked clumsy, quite honestly, with the, that uh, he, well, let me just say the knee brace on his on his leg was was clumsy and it looked like it was hard for him to move. Uh, which is why he didn't have a great night. He had one assist and three turnovers. Didn't score, didn't get a rebound. He will hopefully continue to heal and get better. And as he does, maybe LSU looks more like and more resembles the team that started this season than the team that we've seen here of late. But there's no denying at this point, and we talked about it yesterday, that the excuses are no more. Ole Miss is a bad basketball team. You're playing a bad team on your home floor when you were pretty desperate for a feel-good and you came out sluggish in the first half and got down 24 points to a bad basketball team. There's no excuse for it. It falls on Will Wade. It falls on the players. It falls on everybody. Um, And at this point, I don't have any real reason to tell you you should be confident. Um, The next five games are winnable, but Ole Miss, you were a a 12.5-point home favorite. Ole Miss is as winnable a game as you're going to play other than your home game against Georgia. So you're going Saturday to to Nashville, to Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt's not very good, but Scottie Pippen Jr. can fill it up. And 
Memorial Gym has always been a tough place to play because of its configuration. Kind of a weird deal where the court's elevated and the benches are on the baseline. I mean, could LSU lose? Sure they could. They just lost at home to Ole Miss. Uh, you could can make, make a case that they could, I don't think they will, but that they could lose any of their next five. All the games that I told you were winnable. Um, now, all of those games are winnable, but this is the gut check moment in the season. Like This is the the pendulum moment in the season. Either you get back on track Saturday against Vanderbilt or your season unravels. I, I still think that LSU is going to be a tournament team, but how deep of a run you're able to make depends largely on this stretch of games. If you're able to stockpile wins and solidify your your seeding in the NCAA tournament, then you'll have a great chance. You'll be favored to play into the second weekend of the tournament. When you do that, then it's all about draw and who's playing the best and who has a good day, and maybe you punch a ticket to a Final Four, which is doable for this team when they're playing their best. The flip side of it is you yo-yo your way through the next three weeks, wins and losses, wins and losses, you get in as a double-digit seed and you get bounced in round one or maybe you're an eight nine, on that 8-9 game and then your reward if you win it is you get to play the one seed and you're out in round two, which is certainly possible for this team as well. Uh, Saturday is a gut-check moment. There's no way around it. The Ole Miss game was a horrible loss. How does this team respond? That will tell you everything you need to know about this version of the LSU Tigers, and uh, we'll all be waiting to see. You know, we'll preview that game on Friday. Uh, thankfully, the Tigers do get a few extra days to rest uh, because they played on uh, on Tuesday. They get an extra day before they to rest before they have to travel to Nashville uh, to take on Vanderbilt on Saturday. So we'll preview that later in the week. In the meantime, it is National Signing Day. We will uh, be back tomorrow here on LSU Daily to recap all of signing day, what it means for the future of the LSU Tigers as Brian Kelly puts some finishing touches here on his first class in Baton Rouge. Until tomorrow, it is LSU Daily, part of the Guarantee Podcast Network.